you tired of the same old tailgate games? Then get on board with the hottest game taking over parking lots near you, QB54. Go to playqb54.com and use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date. That's playqb54.com. Use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Get in the game today. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, live on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. This week we have tons to talk about, including free agent frenzy, Tiger beginning to look like he's a good golfer again, and the great eight. But first, our show is brought to you by QB54, the newest game taking over backyards and tailgates everywhere. Go to playqb54.com, use promo code PODCAST for 20%. Off your order. We'll have Dave here in just a minute. Remind everyone about our home network and gscsports.com. Check out all of these shows on the NGSC Sports Radio Network, as well as all the written content on the site, sponsors, and much more over at ngscsports.com. You can subscribe to this show uh, on the audio side by uh, going to any of your podcast apps, iTunes, Android, and more. Search Huddle Up with Jim and Dave. We also stream daily at liebsports.com. Uh, if you head over to UndisputedBelts.com, you can see the belt back in the back there uh, and check them out for all of your uh, fantasy needs, custom belts, custom championship rings, and more, UndisputedBelts.com. And uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm alone in studio this week. I don't have uh, I don't have the big bro with me. He un- unfortunately has to work tonight, but we do have uh, we do have Dave with us. Let me get Dave here. Dave, how are you doing this week, buddy? Jim, we're doing well. We're on the uh, way home from a bowling league, so we're in the car. Uh, hopefully, all is well. Uh, nice to be on big bro shadowing uh, over, maybe not shadowing, but towering over your shoulder. Shoulder. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I don't have to look at the uh, the Eagles championship T shirt this week, so that's a uh, that's a bit of good news, at least for me. Uh, obviously, some of the viewers may not uh, may not be too happy about it, but I don't have to put up with it for today. I wasn't even going to bring it up, but uh, you brought it up there, so you must still have some uh, hard feelings, of course, there, eh? Oh, uh, without a doubt, without question, uh, I still have some hard feelings there. Uh, Of course, today, the opening of the new NFL season officially, uh, or I guess the the new NFL year, uh, so that uh, we're going to talk about plenty of that, uh, free agency news, trade news, um, retirings in the NFL, uh, as well as uh, golf is most certainly heating up based on what happened this past weekend. Uh, March Madness starting officially. Well, I guess it's officially started with the uh, playing games. We'll give our thoughts on those uh, as well as uh, the tournament. And then our boy Alex Ovechkin has reached a milestone. But to some people, it might not mean anything. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But Dave, let's uh, let's look at the NFL first. Um, free agency starting Obviously, uh, you know, trades starting as well. Um, one of the big things, uh, actually, one of the let, let, let's tackle um, before we, we get into free agency and trades and things like that. Um, Joe Thomas, the uh, offensive lineman from the Browns, I think is probably the most notable, uh, at least in terms of uh, newly announced retirees. He announced his retirement today, and referees Ed Hockley and Jeff, Jeff Triplett uh, ha- have hung him up. So the uh, the collective muscles. Uh, and muscle size of the uh, NFL officials have taken a dramatic step back. Uh, I don't know if anybody will uh, fill his shirt uh, quite the same, but uh, Hockey League was always one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, uh, it was always fun watching the game with those uh, guns sticking out there. I mean, uh, I think a lot of football fans had a, a, a slight man crush on uh, Ed there for the way he uh, represented that uniform. 
Oh, most uh, most definitely. Now let's. Uh, we have an open phone line if you're following along and, and want to call in. You can do that uh, if you're following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can see the number there, but also it is 401-347-0613, and then you can use PIN 29312. Again, that number, 401-347-0613. Use PIN 29312. Uh, Dave, so uh, free agents uh, obviously opening today. I'm going to I'm gonna take a look, and I'm going to kind of go position by position. I'm not going to go every through every single one, but some of the, the most notable ones, obviously, uh, Garoppolo went to the 49ers uh, during the season last year, but he re-signed with a five-year, $137.5 million deal. Uh, Kirk Cousins, probably the, the biggest of the quarterbacks uh, that were being watched going into free agency. He signs a three-year, $86 million deal with Minnesota. I want to start there because, obviously, we saw what happened with Minnesota. They, they get to the NFC Championship game. Uh, with Case Keenum, is this the and, and and they've pretty much already said at this point. And I don't know how much you've seen, but the they've said at this point that they're they're probably not doing a whole lot else. Maybe a couple of small pieces here or there. Is Kirk Cousins enough for Minnesota to 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 get over the hump? I mean, I, I know they only scored what seven points in the NFC Championship, but they also gave up over thirty. So I, I, I'm wondering if the, the decision to not do anything beyond addressing a, a better quarterback is the is the best move for Minnesota. Yeah, Jim, I have uh, no no clue on that one way or the other. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Kurt Kirk is uh, pretty pretty solid there with a a and I want to say a better line than he had previously around him. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if he's the one that really is the cause of a lot of the issues, it's kind of like talking about uh, Sammy Watkins. Uh, I know I'm kind of switching around the positions here, but as a wide receiver, he looked awesome in college, and then he's not really ever had a pro quarterback to throw to him aside from uh, Goff there the, the second half of last year. Right. Um, so is he a bust per se, or is it the fact that he has no one to get him the ball? And I, I think it's an age old argument that we could argue forever type of thing. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on receivers then. Um, you know, cousins has, has been, has been pretty good. I, I don't know. I, I never like to play like the elite great, uh, you know, what, whatever argument, whatever, adjective you want to use for quarterbacks I feel like sometimes they get overused or they get thrown around depending on how good of a game somebody has I mean go back to uh, you know Matt Flynn at one point had what a six touchdown game uh, against the Lions at the end of the year for for the Packers Um, he cashed in on it but I hardly would think that a guy like that could ever be called elite or even good or great Um, but I I think Cousins you know at, at 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 his age of 29, you know, a three-year deal with Minnesota. I mean, it's definitely an upgrade from Case Keenum, but I, I just don't know um, if if that is ultimately the 110% the, the, the piece that makes the absolute difference. Um, because Case Keenum... Let me, let me pose this to you. Would you rather be the, the 49ers that signed Jimmy G for five years, or would you rather be... The Vikings that signed Cousin for three. Um, I here's the deal. I think you know more what you have with Kirk Cousins. Like I think the Garoppolo deal, if it pays off, and that's the key. If it pays off, is a great contract. But the guy started what seven games. I I, I don't know that that I would have thrown that much money. At uh, at Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I mean, I know the 49ers are are, are desperate. Um, I mean, I don't want to use the uh, yeah. I'll use the word desperate. Actually, I think they're desperate to get back to the legacy that was the 80s and 90s 49ers, and, and they they got back to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick not too far ago, but it, it fell apart after it. So I think they're desperate to get back to that mark. I think you know what you have with Kirk Cousins, three years, 86 million. Um. I, I would honestly rather be Minnesota because there is so much unknown with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he has looked great. He has made the 49ers look really, really damn good. And I'm not going to take away what he's done 
in the very short time that he's been a starting quarterback in this league. But I, I think the smarter contract out of these two, anyway, is Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Jim, I really can't argue with that. Uh, I mean, I, I think you can make the argument that San Francisco liked what they saw and they wanted to lock something up. So I can I can kind of see where they're coming from. I don't know that I classify either of these as bad contracts, using the air quotes, but right. uh, I, I really think you can make the argument kind of either way here with either team. Um, now, again, that's just looking at the headlines on what the contracts are. I don't know the specifics, the buyouts, the guaranteed, all that uh, jazz. But, uh, I mean, you, you got to look at Kurt and uh, the numbers he's put up uh, there the past couple of years, uh, probably with a lesser team, and what can he really do in Minnesota? So there, there is some upside there. So I, I would tend to uh, uh, side towards the, 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 the Vikings that you're trying to make the argument for, but I don't think that San Francisco made a bad deal in this either. No, I don't think they did, and, and I think it was important for them, obviously, with uh, Garoppolo coming up on the contract, that, that you got him locked down. You got him locked down at a number where uh, he's extremely comfortable, and there's no doubt that he is extremely co- going to be extremely comfortable uh, at that number. Now, let's also, Dave, look at the quarterback that um, Kirk Cousins is replacing in Minnesota, and that's Case Keenum. He signed a two-year, $36 million deal with the Denver Broncos. Um, I, I've seen this like meme or post going around that, um, you know, John Elway's supposed to, you know, he's a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback and you know, he's a Hall of Famer in this and that. He should know quarterbacks. And they, they've, they've kind of looked at these different things, you know, that he didn't. The person said, somebody said that he didn't sign Osweiler to a long term deal. He drafted Paxton Lynch and now he signs Case Keenum as reasons why maybe John Elway is not the best evaluator of quarterback talent. Um, I'm going to break these down real quick in three pieces. I was talking to my friend Ryan about it earlier tonight. Um, The fact that he didn't sign Brock Osweiler to a big deal, the fact that, um, you know, when he got Osweiler back, the Broncos were paying only half of his salary because of the way the trades and everything broke down, I think is a pretty good indicator of what Elway knows, at, at, at least at evaluating the position. The Paxton Lynch thing was was a little bit of a gamble. Uh, he looked great in college. Unfortunately, had some injury problems that uh, that hindered his ability to take over that team. Uh, and, and now I'm looking at the signing of Case Keenum. Looking at what Kirk Cousins got, um, looking at the fact that Sam Bradford, little sidebar here, signed a $20 million deal for this year. One year, Sam Bradford, $20 million dollars. This year in Arizona, you want to talk about a team that's desperate, look at the Arizona Cardinals. I think that the, the, the contract that Keenum signed in, in Denver it might, be, might sound a little high. I, I don't think that there's a, there's a huge guarantee there. But I, I don't think this is a bad contract. You have a quarterback that led the Vikings to an NFC championship game, and obviously the wheels fell off in, in, in Philadelphia. But I, I look at it like this. Your Super Bowl winning MVP was Nick Foles. Nick Foles and Case Keenum were together with the Rams under Jeff Fisher where they both looked terrible. Maybe it's more of an indicator of how bad Jeff Fisher is and the fact that he's not a coach in the NFL. Um, Case Keenum looked great, I think, this year once he took over in Minnesota. And like I said, he led that team to an NFC championship. So I think for Denver, this is a fine move. You didn't go out and overspend... Um, you know, or, or really blow your budget on a Kirk Cousins. Um, you didn't undersell yourself for, you know, an A.J. McCarron or a Sam Bradford or something like that. I think it's a smart play, and, and I think it really, um, you know, it, it gives the Broncos an opportunity to compete. They also re-signed Demarius Thomas. So you, you, you have some pieces that are familiar with Denver. Uh, the window there is short as it currently stands. Now, again, all of these things – free agency wise we don't know what teams are doing in the draft but I think as a, as a quarterback signing Case Keenum is, is is a fine sign in uh in Denver yeah Jim I have no issue with it at all I mean I think uh I, I don't have anything in front of me obviously being in the car but I think uh Case Keenum was like a top six quarterback last year um with a full season sample size so I mean that signing at that price, uh, based on last year's numbers, kind of looks like a bargain, to be honest. But, uh, again, the, the bashing on Elway, the, the only thing I'll say to that is being being in charge of everything, you don't have um, 
as much time to look at stuff as a lot of the scouts do. So you rely on a lot of the scouts' words. Um, now, whether that's true or not for quarterbacks, that John has taken the rein and said, you know, hey, I'm a former quarterback. I want to, I want to be the only one that makes decisions on the quarterbacks. We don't know that, but uh, I, I can't fault them for adding Keenum. I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. Yeah, and he was one of the last four playing, which I, which is another thing that. Uh, that I point out. Uh, I'm going to go run down the rest of the quarterback signings. Obviously, it is the most uh, notable, most premier position in the NFL. Drew Brees resigns three years, seventy million with New Orleans. So, yeah, pretty sure he's going to retire there. Uh, AJ McCarron, two years, ten million with Buffalo. Like I said, Bradford, twenty million for one year in Arizona. Arizona also picks up Mike Glennon, two years, eight million dollars. Uh, Josh McCown back in uh, New York with the Jets. For one more year, he signed. Glennon. He signed a one-year. I love that Glennon signing, by the way. Love that Glennon signing. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, low dollar, and uh, you know, he, he's. He, let me let me go out on a limb here. He's probably going to play this year because uh, Sammy Sleeves never makes it through a season. <laughs> Bold statement. It's like picking the Jaguars to win the division. <laughs> uh, I was a year off, man. I was a year off. Um, Josh McCown, one year, ten million in uh, in New York, but Teddy Bridgewater also makes his way to the New York Jets. He signs a one year, five million dollar deal. Uh, so, Ryan, Jim, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Who's Who's the best quarterback in New York right now? Um, probably Josh McCown. <laughs> isn't that Isn't that strange that you're making that argument? That it's an argument at this point in time. Um. I mean, does that feel weird? It, it does feel kind of weird. I also would be maybe a little bit bold in saying that the New York Jets have the two best quarterbacks in New York right now. It's very well possible. I mean, I, I don't. I think you could legitimately make an argument for any of the three, and you'd have enough points that you might not win the argument, but you're not going to get laughed at for the argument. Exactly, and and that that shows you where the Giants are at and where you know Eli Manning's at and and you have to wonder um and we're going to talk about running backs here in a minute with um you know with the potential of of Barkley being there at three for the Giants uh you know do they go Barkley or do they go quarterback but we'll talk about running backs here in just a minute uh Tom Savage signs with the Saints uh an undeclosed deal and Chase Daniel two years 10 million in uh in Chicago um, running backs. Let's look at running backs. Uh, Le'Veon Bell franchise tagged with, with Pittsburgh. Deion Lewis, four-year, $20 million with the Titans. Carlos Hyde, a three-year, $15 million deal with Cleveland. This is one that, that caught my eye because a lot of people have assumed uh, for a while now that with the first of two of the first four picks, the number one overall pick, that the Browns would slam dunk take Saquon Barkley uh Carlos Hyde 27 years old obviously there there is a lot of mileage on those 27 year old legs but a three-year 15 million dollar deal you have to wonder now does this mean that the Cleveland Browns do not take Saquon Barkley and and to me I'm saying they don't I don't think there's enough to go one way or the other. I mean, the best scenario is that you, you take whoever takes Barkley doesn't give him a full workload year one, and you kind of ease into it. Um, kind of like my Panthers did with McCafferty last year, that they, uh, they didn't give him the full load and kind of let him ease into it because it is a huge adjustment. And the one thing with Barkley is that he had a huge workload at Penn State last year. I mean, he was returning kicks, right. catching passes. He was the man. So, I mean, you got to take that into account. He might – he's going to either react two ways. He's going to either really adjust to an NFL season really well or he's going to be tired and worn out and still recovering from the college season the past year. So, I mean, if the Browns – I almost think that this means that the Browns are going to look harder at Barclay just because of a sheer fact that they have someone else that can kind of cover the footsteps, if that makes sense, for his, okay, maybe, his uh, transition maybe. for lack of, of other things. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. I mean, he was obviously, uh, you know, a, a pretty freaking monstrous beast 
uh, at the combine. Um, but I, I don't know, it, you know, if you can read a ton of stuff into the combine. Obviously, no pads, no game situations, but uh, impressive none the least. Um, Jarek McKinnon gets a gets what is likely probably to be a starting job with the 49ers. Four years, thirty million dollars there. Rex Burkhead re-ups with New England for three years. Jonathan Stewart, former Panthers running back, signs two years, six point nine million with the Giants. Uh, Chris Ivory stays in the state of New York. He goes to uh, Buffalo. And, uh, and I guess Ivory was down in uh, Jacksonville. I was thinking he was still back with the Jets. Um, and Brandon Bolden re-signed a one-year, uh, less than $1 million deal uh, with New England. So nothing really um, really overwhelmingly headline-grabbing uh, at the at the running back position. Um, some, some fairly... Uh, larger names that are still out there as of now: Demarco Murray, uh, Frank Gore at 34 years old could could probably, and and Darren Sproles at 34 as well uh, could provide some great uh, value and depth to a a backfield. Um, so we will be interested to see where they go. Jamal Charles at 31, I think, will be interesting at what as well. Um, he had a couple of uh, bright flashes anyway uh, with Denver a year ago. Didn't really amount to mu- much. No other. Um, you know, running backs of note because of Le'Veon Bell re-upping uh, or getting franchise tagged. Uh, any other things for running backs that you want to hit on, Dave? Well, Jim, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting is probably about the best term, but it's uh, it's interesting that uh, I, I remember back, you know, 15 years maybe that it was always about the running back, and now right. I feel like the NFL is kind of shifting that, oh, you signed a nice running back. Well, here are my three receivers. That I feel like the wide <laughs> receivers are held in a lot more um, high regards the last five years or so than the running backs. Yeah, and I I would even venture to say that, that the tight end position is one that is maybe not more important, but, it, but it's definitely rising in importance in, in comparison to the running back position because not only are they – do they provide a, a, a blocking uh, for the for the quarterback and protection for the quarterback? But they also have, you know, the the catching and playmaking ability. It's it's not this big bruiser position that's just going to knock down defenders anymore. Uh, tight ends are athletic. Tight ends are pass catchers. Um, you think of Jimmy Graham the other year trying to, uh, you know, basically get the, the the wide receiver and tight end position um, merged into one in terms of. Um, terms of contract numbers so you know it's 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 definitely a, a a league that has changed uh dramatically you know i think of when i first started playing fantasy football your your first one two maybe sometimes three picks uh we're all, we're always running back now you you look at receivers uh you can even look at tight ends um you know in your first couple rounds and it's just a it's just a signal of where the nfl's at yeah i couldn't agree with you more there tim um Speaking of wide receivers, let's look at it. Jarvis Landry uh, signed a one-year $15.982 million deal with Cleveland. Allen Robinson goes three years, $42 million uh, with Chicago. Sammy Watkins, like you said, he is now in Kansas City, three years, $48 million. And that, that's the thing, too. When you're looking at these numbers on these contracts, it shows you where the league is at. Um, you know, for these receivers, Marquise Liga uh, re-signs with Jacksonville, four years, thirty-four million. Paul Richardson, five years, forty million with Washington. Again, five years, forty million for Paul Richardson. If you're saying who, you're 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 probably uh, you're 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 probably accurate there uh, by saying that. Danny Amendola, this one was a big splash uh, yesterday. Definitely grabbed some headlines. Two years, twelve million dollars with the Dolphins. He's staying in the AFC East. But he's going to Miami. Um, just looking down the uh, the rest of the line here. Ryan Grant, uh, four year, twenty nine million with Baltimore. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas resigned one year with Kansas City. So, so I think obviously the big ones, Dave, and 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 when you look at the offense that that is there in Cleveland now, um, you know Jarvis Landry is a big signing for them. Uh, I think Miami was a little nuts to let him go. Uh, Allen Robinson going to Chicago. Those are two teams, Chicago and Cleveland, that they have a lot of potential. They have a lot um, going on with their offenses. Um, I think Cleveland's defense is better than Chicago's. But you're talking about two teams that, um, you know, I I don't want to say have turned the corner, 
because it is still March. We, we need to remember that, that we haven't seen any of these players on the field. We don't know what the draft is going to do, so that there is still some of that to break down. But Cleveland and Chicago are two teams that out of the gate here in free agency, I think, have made a lot of smart moves. Jim, I agree with you there. I mean, I think to me, the one team that's really stood out too, um, the Tennessee Titans have done some really good things quietly. Um, they've just made some, uh, some, some direct, some much needed improvements on some positions that I don't want to say were weak, but they were clear upgrades that they were able to make. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. You know, there it's, it's, you know, I, and I like the signing of Amendola from Miami, just from a leadership standpoint, um, coming from a locker room that knows how to win and knows what to do in, in, in big moments, uh, I think is a, is a valuable asset to have in a locker room. Let's go to tight ends quicker and keep moving here. Uh, Jimmy Graham, big one, three years, 30 million with Green Bay. Trey Burton from the Eagles, we knew he was going to get paid. He signs a four-year, $32 million deal with Chicago. Um, those are the two big ones of note. Um, also, uh, Brent Selleck, no longer an Eagle, um, was uh, was let go uh, from the uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think you know Jimmy Graham, Trey Burton should have immediate impact with their new teams. Agreed. Those were guys that we knew were going somewhere, and um, whoever got them got a heck of a deal. So that's uh, good news for them. Yeah, and then this one is probably um, you know one that 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 people might go. I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but if if you really think about it, Nate Solder, the left tackle um, from the New England Patriots, he signs a four-year, sixty-two million dollar deal with the New York Giants. A, a great player, twenty-nine years old, you know, in the prime of his career, leaving New England. New England's lost more than they've returned uh, on day one of the uh, the NFL calendar year. Um, but Nate Solder signing with with the Giants, this is a great signing. Um, for the Giants, obviously, with Eli Manning at the end of his career, you're going to have a young quarterback, at you, whoever it is, be it in a draft, with a trade, what have you. You know, you, you're going to want to protect that, and uh, Nate Solder is going to help immensely do just that. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's, those those linemen are always the off the radar type of signings that pay huge dividends throughout the year. I mean, uh, the the Eagles sign Nada. Uh, which is again, um, I don't want to bring that team up, but that's a huge off the radar oh, type signing. Absolutely. Granted, he's towards the, the the end of his career, but that's a huge signing to assist in the line strength and the depth. Oh, absolutely, and and you know the the there's obviously we knew there was going to be pieces leaving Philadelphia, but you know that that that's a signing that you know definitely you know cinches up what is already a great pass rush. So. Um, uh, line, defensive lineman of note in Dominican Sioux, no longer with Miami. Um, I saw a report earlier that I think it was Dallas and Chicago are potentially looking at him. Uh, Chicago can have him. I don't want that guy anywhere near, um, near the Cowboys. I don't care how good of a player he is. I think he's a scumbag and I can't stand him. Um, Nigel Bradham also re-signed with Philadelphia, five-year, $40 million. So the Eagles are, are, are doing what they can to uh, keep as many pieces uh, there as possible. Um, Tremaine Johnson, defensive back, signs a five-year, $72.5 million deal with the Jets. The Titans, like you said, are making some smart moves. Malcolm Butler, we pretty much knew, not going to be back in New England. He lands in Tennessee him and Deion Lewis maybe catching a flight uh, to Nashville together, uh, and that's where Mountain Malcolm Butler uh, lands. Uh, so I think those are probably the the, the really big defensive back backs uh, of note. Um, Tyron Matthew, uh, Honey Badger, he is no longer with the Cardinals. We'll see where he lands. Um, but a, a fairly active, um, as an understatement, a fairly active. Uh, first day of free agency uh, here in the uh, in the NFL season. We'll try and keep track. You know, I, I was doing my best uh, over the last uh, 24, 36 hours to uh, keep things posting, but 
you know, with, with working a uh, full-time job, it's sometimes hard to, uh, you know, to get all that information out there, but, but it was, uh, it was coming, uh, quick and, uh, and, and furious at times. Jim, you're a better man than me. Cause I, uh, admittedly did not pay too much attention to the, uh, free agencies today. So you're ahead of me on that. Maybe I'm just busier at my job. That's all I'm saying and throwing out there. <laughs> uh, no comment in case anybody from my work is watching. Um, let's transition to golf, Dave, because uh, what a weekend uh, it was in the world of the PGA Tour. Uh, Paul Casey wins the Valspar Championship this past weekend in uh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Uh, it's got to be unfortunate for him because he has a good weekend Rounds of 70, 68, 71, and 65, a surging Sunday to pick up the win. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people wanted him to do that, did they, Dave? Because there's a guy who uh, who had quite a weekend, a, a memorable weekend at that, and, and one that um, there's a lot of executives on the PGA Tour and in the majors and at TV broadcast companies uh, around the globe that are uh, you know, hoping wasn't just an anomaly, wasn't just a fluke. Tiger Woods finishes second, just one shot back uh, from the victory. He had rounds of 70, 68, 67, and 70 uh, to round out the weekend at minus nine. Um, the uh, the flat stick did not heat up for, for Tigre on Sunday, um, except for on 17, which made for quite an exciting 18th hole there uh but we'll talk about the ratings in just a minute i think the biggest criticism i saw of tiger from this weekend was that he wasn't aggressive enough um that he wasn't aggressive enough on the 18th hole on the tee shot on the 18th hole well jim i mean you you can't fault him i mean you can't go for given that you got to think about the position for Tiger here, and given the fact that you can put a, a second place finish on there with the par, you can't be. You, you got to be going for par, and if you happen to hit an iron close enough, then good. You're trying to sink the putt, but um, I mean, the, the man hasn't had anything to talk about in the past what two years since he's been relevant. Three years, and I'm talking relevant as in a tournament. Um, so. You, you you can't blame him for just going, hey, I got to get my par on the 18th tee here. Yeah, it'd be great to win, but um, par is kind of priority there. But, uh, I mean, I was encouraged by what I, what I saw with Tiger Saturday and Sunday, but uh, he, he's got a lot of uh, fine-tuning, sharpening type of things to do. I mean, his his irons were, pretty, were really sharp, for lack of better terms, on Saturday, but they were pretty much as dull as could be on Sunday. I mean uh, – one of the guys that finished had 21 putts, I think, 21 or 24 putts for 18 holes, and Tiger had to be in the 30s. It feel, felt like he two-putted every hole. Yeah, yeah. So, the, um, the the putter was was definitely a, a, an item of concern, um, you know, for Tiger on Sunday. But you I know, don't know, Jim. I, I kind of disagree with you there. I mean, I thought he was pretty good with the putter, but he didn't have any looks. I mean, when you're trying to th- when you're trying to think 20. Well, 25, 30 footers for birdie every time. Uh, it's not the best look. And I mean, he had a couple at 10 foot or so, but he didn't have any that were, oh my goodness, he should have, he should have made this and he missed type of thing in my eyes. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. And yeah, it's, it's, here's what I take away from this weekend for Tiger is he played four rounds of, of pretty good golf including two rounds on Friday and on Saturday of good golf. Uh, he looked healthy. He looked happy. He looked focused. Um, and even when things weren't going perfectly on, on Sunday, he did not. The thing that, the thing that I, I, I think I noticed the most is, is over the past few years, the minute something goes wrong for Tiger, the world falls apart. When things didn't go great for Tiger on Sunday, he kept it together and he kept focused. Like, like he he was just watching what was happening in front of him, as opposed to worrying about what happened behind him. And I and and my 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 thing with him for years has been 
if he can learn to swing for the body he has now, not the body he had when he was 20 and 25 years old, and but the body he has now with the injuries, with the limitations, if he can learn to swing with this body, he is still more talented than anybody on tour. And it looked like he was doing that this weekend. And that is, might be my biggest takeaway from this entire weekend is it, is it looked like a new Tiger that is playing for Tiger in 2018. For sure, Jim. I agree with that 100%. Um, I saw somewhere, and again, it was on, I think it was on Facebook, so I don't know about the accuracy of it, but one of his tee shots had the highest recorded club's head speed of the, on the PGA Tour this year. That's pretty impressive, I mean, considering. But I think, uh, kind of like you, the biggest thing I take away from this, uh, this tournament is, uh, I think it's a simple four-letter word, uh, hope. Yeah. Hope's a powerful thing. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, here's the thing, too. One of the things that made Tiger so great back when he dominated is the fact that when you were paired with Tiger, you were intimidated. When you started seeing the name Woods climb up, the leaderboard, you were intimidated. Tiger's more talented than anybody on tour. Maybe not anybody, but most anybody in terms of raw talent. Still to this day. And and, and if he can begin to, you know, to, to hone this game for a couple more years, I'm not saying he's going to beat Jack's record. I'm just saying that golf's going to get a little more fun for the next, you know, year, two, maybe three years. Because, you know... This weekend was a shitload of fun. Do you remember us texting about the Valspar Championship a year ago? You, me, and our, and our buddies? I don't. And I bet there was a lot of other people who were texting about the Valspar Championship this weekend that weren't a year ago. So, Well, Jim, you, you didn't have buddies a year ago. Dave introduced you to a couple great friends. So well, this is true, and I, and I do appreciate that. But it, th- this is what I mean. Here we go. Um... Of course, Tiger didn't win, but the event, the Valspar Championship, earned a 5.1 overnight rating, which is up 190% from last year's final round of the Valspar Championship. Uh, it is the biggest number in the in its in the history of the Valspar Championship. It's the biggest overnight rating for a non-major round uh, since the 2013 Players Championship, uh, which Tiger Woods won, by the way. Um, last year, the final rating for the final rounds of the four majors, the PGA championship and the U S open, I know the PGA championship and the open championship did 3.2. The U S open did a 3.1. The masters did a 6.8. Everybody watches the masters. If you're a golf fan. You're watching the masters. That's the way it works. But 5.1, it did two whole ratings points better than the other three majors. Um, what do what do the Masters numbers look like from when Tiger was in his prime? That would be interesting to know. Yeah, I, I don't have those offhand. I'll have to look them up, or, or if somebody knows them, they can send them to me, and, and we'll get them out there. Um, but that that would be something to note. Um, what I'm going to be wondering is, what are the Masters numbers going to look like this year? Uh, we're less than a month away, by the way, from that tournament. Um Tell me how El Tigre plays, and I'll tell you how the numbers look. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, CBS and uh, and, and the uh, the officials there at Augusta are just like, come on, give us a Tiger weekend, give us a Tiger weekend. Even if he's not in the final pairing, if he's in any sort of contention, uh, those numbers are going to be through the roof. Um, the five point one rating, which is not the final rating, by the way, that that won't come out for a couple more days. Uh, beat, but the 5.1 overnight rating beat every PGA Championship telecast since 2014, which did a 6.0. Every U.S. Open telecast since 2013, which did a 6.1, and every British Open telecast since 2000, which did a 7.5. Since 2000, the Brit- and I think the British Open is one of the more fun um, golf tournaments to watch because the history of the courses. It's a much different. Um, watch than than your your standard. Like if you watch a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship, you're not going to get a lot of views that are different than uh, than your your standard weekend round. But the the British Open had some different. But I mean, it is it is just unbelievable at at this point with with after everybody saying that 
Tiger's washed up, and I don't. And I've heard so many people. I don't give a shit what Tiger does. You know, he's done. He's washed up. He's he's worthless. One weekend, the guy has a good weekend, and these are the numbers that I get. You know, I I think this could be a a, a real crucial time uh, for golf because if you can get some of the viewers back, it's going to help out the game not only from a TV standpoint, but numbers of of people that are playing golf around the country are down pretty dramatically as well. If Tiger can get back and be competitive for a little bit, I think it helps save the sport uh, beyond just uh, from a TV standpoint as well. Can you imagine Rory, Jordan, and Tiger in contention on the back nine at Augusta on Sunday? That, dude, I mean, that would be unreal. And you know the people at Nike Apparel and uh, Bridgestone Golf Balls and all of that are just praying. Because that was the big thing a couple years ago. And then you think of the, the, you know, the, the video games and the Nike sponsorships and all of that, that Rory was kind of supposed to be the guy that took the reins from, from Tiger, and nobody's been able to do it. You had guys, you know, Hit spurts. Jordan did it. Johnson did it. Rory did it a little bit. You know, these guys spurt up, but nobody holds on to it like Tiger has. Or, and Tiger did. And it's these once-in-a-generation type of players, once every other generation maybe. And that's what was so special about Arnie and Jack and all that those guys back in the day. But you haven't had anybody do what Tiger does. So I, I think this – I'm get, maybe I'm getting ahead of it, Dave, because – it was one weekend, and that's what we. I think you know. I need to remind myself. Golf fans probably need to remind themselves because it was one weekend. But for one weekend, wasn't it fun just to kind of remember, <laughs> or or for some people, you know, even see a glimpse of of what they always talk about? Because there's people who are watching it going, "Wow, Tiger's really good." That have that had never watched Tiger as Tiger. Yeah, Jim, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I think the other thing, uh, winding down on the golf discussion here, but I think the other thing that, that we have to mention is Mickelson is now uh, a possible contender at Augusta. I mean, he won again this year, so that's off the, the monkey is off the back. But can you imagine a uh, Mickelson-Tiger pairing in the final round oh, of Augusta? That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. You give me you give me those two. You give me a, you give me a Spieth. You give me a McElroy. Maybe throw a pa- maybe throw a, a Patrick Reed in there. That guy's got that guy's got fire to him. You know he was he finished second as well this weekend. So only if I can watch uh, Jordy go in the water on the uh, back early in the back nine. Oh, that, get, uh, get, get the yippers again on that uh, on that par three. Why not? Why not? Uh, I I love watching Jordy fall. <laughs> Man, I down. still don't know what you hate about that guy. But we have plenty of talk about uh, with golf uh, and, and of course the Masters as we play out the next couple weeks here, because like I said, that tournament is, I think, three weeks from tomorrow, uh, the uh, the Masters tees off. But Dave, there's this other thing that happens in March that we should probably talk about. Um, obviously, the NCAA... I mean, Jim, it is it is Christmas Eve to some of us. It, it most certainly is. I mean, I'm going to have the, uh, I'm going to have the iPad at, uh, at work tomorrow. I had it there today to watch the, uh, the NFL free agency coverage. I'm going to have it again the next two days to uh, distract me a little bit uh, in the afternoons. We have we have a couple of departments at work that uh, that have TVs hanging on the wall, and I'm, when I say TV, I'm not talking flat screen TVs. They've had them there forever. It's the old, you know, square, uh, you know, console TVs. They have them in their department, and they turn them on for two days out of the year. And I think you can guess what two days those are. The opening rounds. Of the uh, of the NCAA tournament, March Madness is upon us. Um, you know how you said you didn't really have a whole lot on uh, on the NFL and the free agency. It's kind of me in the uh, March Madness. Now we do have for those listening that if you haven't entered it yet, and I don't know why you haven't because we've been putting it all over social media the last couple of days. But we have a bracket challenge. So if you go to facebook.com slash huddle up podcast when you're done watching this video or uh, over to our Twitter page at huddle up podcast, you'll find a bracket challenge, a link to join it. Go on there. It's free. What do you have to lose? Take a couple minutes, fill out the bracket. If you beat myself, Dave, or Sean, you'll get a shout out on the show. It's that simple. It's for, what, like, Jim, what, we're going to have to have a. 
we're gonna have to have a whole show to give everyone the shout outs for beating you okay yeah you're right because last year i think i did finish second to last so how about we do this so we don't have to do a special episode just for shout outs no, 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 no. you're gonna have to do a special episode okay i'll do a special episode but go join the bracket challenge we have a good number of people in there already it only takes a couple minutes to enter we'd appreciate it um but uh, but March Madness, like I said, is upon us. Um, I'm just gonna look over a couple of the long shot odds to uh, to win the tournament, and then I'm gonna let you kind of carry some of this talk uh, here for a minute. But uh, plus one hundred thousand, Texas Southern, St. Bonaventure, South Dakota State, Radford, Penn, UNC Greensburg, North Carolina Central. I mean, there's a bunch at plus a hundred thousand. Uh, let's look at. Um, Couple at plus fifteen thousand TCU Clemson Miami. They had TCU listed twice on the. Come on, get your shit together, CBS. Um, the dogs bark. He didn't like me talking about CBS like that. Uh, Villanova plus six hundred is the favorite uh, to uh, to win the national title. Virginia plus six fifty. Duke plus eight hundred. Michigan State plus eleven hundred. And then uh, Kansas, Purdue, Cincinnati, and Arizona are plus twelve hundred. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on on like I filled out brackets, but that's that that's the extent of my knowledge, and I'm using that word very very stretched out. So uh, what what's going on with with the March Madness? What should people be looking at? What's some smart money? Dave, the floor is yours. So Jim, I, I got to tell you first off that. Um, the, the tournament committee has come out and said since Davidson won the, their conference tournament, it kept Notre Dame out of the, the bracket. So I just want to make sure that you're fully aware of that if you weren't already. Yeah, no, I'm okay with it. I got the, uh, I got the Notre Dame hockey that, that's uh, kicking ass. So I, I'll, I'll gladly sacrifice the basketball. Which, they, they just would have been interesting. That it, it was a kind of precedent being set because they got their uh, – a, an all-American type player back uh, right at the end of the season there, so there really wasn't any games with him aside from the tournament, basically. So uh, kind of interesting that they they used a lot more historical ranking in the current form because probably with him they're a top thirty team in my opinion and should be in the tournament. So um, don't really know where to start with this. I mean, I kind of go region by region here, Jim, and you can kind of jump in here with any uh, tidbits that you you want to want to add here. Um, in the South region, you obviously have Virginia as the number one seed. Um, however, they're without one of their uh, top players. I believe he's the sixth man off the bench who's hurt for, and uh, out for the rest of the tournament. Uh, kind of going to be interesting to see how that impacts them. However, with that being said, I still think Virginia is the team to beat in the South region. Um, I also like Tennessee in the three seed uh, just from the standpoint that I think uh, Cincinnati is very good defensively. But their uh, offense has a little bit left to be desired there. So uh, possible possible uh, Tennessee coming out of that, uh, just given who knows what happens on the upper half. Um, you got a possible really good dynamite uh, sweet six, or not even uh, not even sweet 16 game, but round of 32 second round game in Arizona and Kentucky. Um, assuming that Kentucky survives the, uh, the Kentucky and Arizona both survive the first round. Uh, both of those teams, in my opinion, are on upset alert in round number one. Um, you also have Loyola Chicago that that uh, has a really good chance of beating a, a Miami team. So um, kind of take all those into account. Um, but I, uh, I I still think even Virginia with the injury has a uh, pretty decent shot of getting out of this bracket. Uh, Jim, any, any comments you want to add on the South there? That's kind of a, a 30-second or two-minute uh, day's info there. No, Virginia sounds great. I don't know. What, I'm trying, I'm, I, I just pulled up my bracket. I have them losing to Kentucky. So, I don't know what that means. Yeah. That may means you're 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 probably going to beat me. There's probably going to be a lot of people oh, beating me. I don't beat you. It's going to be a giant wallow in self pity. But <laughs> um, we'll we'll see. The, Kentucky's a very interesting team. They're they're very very young. So. Um, that can work one of two ways: huge plus or a huge negative. So, yeah, I have I have um, them coming out of this. Uh, I have them coming out of this bracket. Well, good luck to you, sir. I I, I will do my best. So so moving down to the uh, to the to the west bracket, who will play whoever comes out of the south bracket in the final four. Um, you have Xavier as the number one seed. Um, my opinion, Xavier has the easiest 
route to the Sweet 16 of any of the number one seeds, which is kind of interesting because they are, in uh, many experts' eyes, the weakest of the four four number one seeds. Um, Some possible upsets in this bracket. Um, You've got to give South Dakota State a look at uh, Ohio State here. I think they're about eight-point underdogs. I love South Dakota State catching the points in the first round. Um, Gonzaga's got very good uh, potential to come out of this bracket as a four seed. Michigan is extremely, um, extremely gifted offensively and defensively. Uh, the one concern I have with Michigan in this bracket is their ability to shoot uh, foul shots. That's okay. the best uh, free throw shooting team. Uh, UNC is pretty solid offensively, but I don't, I'm not sold on them defensively enough. So um, my, my top three teams in this bracket would be Gonzaga, Michigan, and UNC. Um, I have Gonzaga versus Michigan in the Elite Eight. You know, and that yeah. that kind of lines up with, with with where the where the uh, odd line is at because Michigan, North Carolina are plus fourteen hundred, Gonzaga plus fifteen hundred, and that's where Xavier is as well. So your number one seed in this bracket actually comes in, um, you know, below uh, the three seed and the two seed. So, um, you know that 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 well, Jim, if if Gonzaga and uh, Xavier met. Xavier met in the, uh, what would that be, the Sweet 16? Yes. Um, Gonzaga is going to be favored over Xavier. So take I, that into account. But I, I, have, I have Gonzaga winning that matchup. I actually have – and uh, my – my my wife, Michigan football fan, we've talked about her. Stock up. She <laughs> she doesn't give a flying shit about basketball. I'll say that. Uh, I have Michigan going all the way to the finals, just because I, especially when I do free ones, I always kind of like to pick a team. I'm not saying, um, you know, that, it, that they have no chance, but I always like to pick a team that a lot of people probably aren't going to, because if it happens to hit, I'm, I'm probably going to be out ahead of people. Um, if it doesn't, then I just get blown up. But, um. I actually have Michigan well, going change, to the finals. I got to change my bracket because I had Michigan going pretty far in some of them. So. <laughs> yeah, kiss it. If if you picked Michigan to go, uh, you know, past maybe the uh, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, you may want to change it because I have them going to the finals. Folks, that's your uh, best strategy on how to how to <laughs> win a bracket competition. Ask Jim what he has and pick, have him lose. Pick the opposite. Before the round of sixteen. I know I was bummed out this year. The only thing I'm bummed out about Notre Dame not being in the tournament is I don't get to pick them going to at least the final four in one of my brackets that I, uh, that I do at work. So that's my only bummer about it. Definitely moving on to the East region here. Uh, th- this region is the absolute most stacked region um, out of the four. I mean, Nova's the one Nova is the number one seed. Purdue is the number two seed. Texas tech is the number three. Wichita state is the number four and West Virginia is the number five. Um, a couple of guys that I follow, they have those five teams power rated as the top 12 teams in the country, five of the top 12 teams wow. in the country, and they're in the same bracket. Damn. Um, West Virginia and Wichita State's probably going to be a Sweet 16 matchup, or not even a Sweet 16, but a matchup to get to the Sweet 16, and that should probably be an Elite Eight or a Final Four matchup. Those teams are that good. Um, for I feel like you because of those two, you don't know who's going to win that game. Uh, very even on both sides of it. Um, I feel like you have to have Nova advancing out of the top half of that bracket. They have to win one tough game versus uh, West Virginia and Wichita State having to win two. Um, Purdue is very susceptible just based on their schedule, and they don't have a lot of quality wins versus top teams. So I'm not really sure what to make of this Purdue team. I mean, they have two seven-footers down below, so I'm not uh, – not sold on them, but they shouldn't have an issue rebounding either. So they're kind of a funky team, and and they have a history of uh, uh, shitting the bed, for lack of better terms, in the tournament. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's the um, technical term, I think. That was uh, part of my French term. <laughs> uh, but this, this Texas Tech team, a lot of people are overlooking them. I think this Texas Tech team is a team that's poised and could make a run. Um, I seem to be in the minority on that, that everyone seems to be like, West Virginia is going to upset Nova. Um, but I have uh, I have Villanova and Texas Tech meeting in the Elite Eight uh, in my my oh, important bracket. Dave, I, Dave so, I got Jim, anything on? Uh, I got bad. I got bad here? news, Dave. I got bad news for you, man. Ah shit! I I have Villanova playing Texas Tech in the Elite Eight matchup. Man, 
I know. I think I'm, we recorded I'm, this earlier. But see, here's the, right. Here's the thing. I mean, but now you can you can when we're done with the show here, you can go and fix your mistakes. <laughs> That's what works for tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, no, I have. Uh, I mean, I have Nova coming out of it. Um, but yeah, from from the little bit of you know things I've 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 heard on on sports radio and things that uh, you know this is this is definitely the the deepest of the of the regions for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, you could really make an argument for five teams coming out of this region, and any of the five are, are very potential. Um, I don't see a lot of round one upsets in this bracket, to be 100% honest. I mean, maybe maybe getting St. Bonnie's over Florida, um, but I don't know that you even get that in all honesty. I mean, maybe a Butler over Arkansas or an Alabama over Virginia Tech, but uh, I see this one pretty much straight chalk. So I uh... – um, <laughs> I maybe maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the football bias for me in the years of of, of disliking the Boilermakers, but I have uh, Butler beating Purdue in the uh, in the second round, but then losing to Texas note to, Tech. Note to self: uh, Q Arkansas on everything. <laughs> All right, one last region, Dave. Let's take a look. So, purposely the last region here. Um, the 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 ultimate thing in NCAA March Madness has never happened. A 16 seed has never beaten a one seed. Everybody knows it. Um, so what has to happen for the 16 to, be, to lose, to, to, to successfully beat a one seed? Well, number one, the, the 16 seed has to be underseeded. So this, this is a check mark in this, in this avenue here. Okay. Penn, Penn, Penn should probably be a 14 or a 15 seed. They are not a 16 seed. They are better than that. Um, no doubt about it, uh, pretty much hands down. Um, everyone agrees upon that. And Kansas probably should be a two or a three seed. Um, probably a two seed in all reality, but uh, somehow they weaseled their way into a one. Um, Kansas's strength is shooting the three-pointer. Penn's strength, the number, one, number two team in the country throughout the year on three-point defense. They're the best team in this 60, I guess it's 65 teams currently. Um, in the 65 team field at the moment at defending the three-pointer. This game is very freaking interesting. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Penn beats Kansas, but based on the, the line on the, on the money line, uh, Penn's about plus 900 roughly. Uh, implies roughly a, a 8 to 12% that uh, they have realistic chance at beating Kansas. Kansas' shots aren't falling. Penn has a chance. Kansas is hitting the three. Penn's not going to have a chance. However, I think Penn stays within the number of 14 or 14 or 13 or whatever it is at the moment. So um, Kansas will move on in round one, but uh, Seton Hall has a very good chance at upsetting them round two. I think Kansas is the weakest or the first one seed that eventually goes down here. Um, everyone is picking the, the New Mexico State Clemson upset. Uh, it seems to be the, the five over five losing to a 12 that everyone's picked. Uh, I like it, but I don't love it. Um, so I'll kind of keep that there. Uh, I think Auburn beats Charleston. I think Auburn advances to the Sweet 16. Everyone's down on Auburn right now. Another chance to buy a, uh, a pretty good hoops team at a, a lower spot and move them on. Um, Michigan State, uh, very talented team, without a doubt. Uh, definitely a team that uh, can get out to this division or this bracket. Uh, Michigan State's going to have a hell of a game with Duke in the uh, Sweet 16. I think whoever wins that game is coming out of this bracket. Uh, but to be honest, I don't know who the heck wins this game. Uh, you can make arguments for either team in that. Um, but whoever whoever uh, advances out of that is probably coming out of this bracket. So that's uh, If you can tell me concretely who beat, who wins between Michigan State and Duke, you probably have your final four team out of this bracket. Possibly, not giving, it, not giving hints here, but possibly even your national champion. Ho, 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 ho. See, Dave... You're you're everything you're saying could potentially make you sound terrible because uh I, I have Duke and Michigan State in the Sweet Sixteen, I have Duke winning, I have Duke beating Clemson in the Elite Eight. So then my final four, and this is it this is in our uh our ESPN bracket challenge, so make sure you head again, go to our social medias, fill out a bracket, it's free. Just have fun. There's I think fifteen people, fifteen, sixteen people. Uh, in in this challenge, uh, my final four: Kentucky, Michigan, Villanova, Duke, and I have Duke beating the Michigan Wolverines 
in the championship that will be on April the 2nd. So I have Duke. Uh, I should have probably apologized to our friend Karen because it's a kiss of death, Karen. It really is uh, for me to pick a uh, a team to win the national title. But but I got Duke. Yeah, Jim, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think they're they're one of the most talented teams. They're pretty young, so it's not a uh, not a terrible pick. So well done on your part for making something that actually makes sense for once. You know, it was um, bound to happen at some point. Definitely. Some, some round one games I like against the number. Um, kind of looking through the bracket here, I like Kansas State. Um, like Loyola Chicago is a little bit uh, – the number's getting a little dry at this point. Um, but I, I think they have potential. Uh, South Dakota State, without a doubt. Um, Oklahoma, without a doubt. Um, Seton Hall, I like. Penn, I like. Purdue, I like against the number round one. Um that's pretty much the the games I really like round one. I think you're going to have a an ass load of points scored in the Wichita State game, Jim. You can quote me on that, but that one might hit 180 <laughs> or 190 for total. Um, but that 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 qualifies as an ass load. So well, um, now we know. Again, now we know what an ass load is. If you're ever wondering, it's 180 or 190 ish. So okay. even quantified with the ish, so <laughs> it makes sense. All right, Dave. Uh, that that's the. Uh, did you give your national title pick? I, I cannot give my national title pick yet because I don't know who I have in the bracket for us at the moment. So I, I can't <laughs> give that yet. Um, I might have Gonzaga. So okay. uh, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and say it might be Gonzaga, but it's probably one of the teams that I mentioned between Gonzaga, Michigan, Duke, Michigan State. Uh, those are probably the, the, the three leading, four leading contenders at this point in time. All right, very good. Real quick, Dave, because we are coming up. We're here near the end, but um, you know, one one thing of note, hockey wise, that came out of this past weekend was Alex Ovechkin scoring his 600th career goal. He's at 42 on the year. Uh, the Capitals play again tomorrow night. Um, he's the 20th ever to hit 600. He's only the fourth to do it in under 1,000 games, and I think that's a, a important part of the milestone. Um, but I, I kind of got into some disagreements with some people on Twitter uh, because they, they were trying to lessen the achievement that Alexander Ovechkin uh, got because of the Caps' lack of playoff success. We all know the lack of playoff success uh, of the Capitals and the franchise. Do you think that the lack of the lack of success, zero Stanley Cups, um, you know, should have a negative impact on, on Ovechkin as a, you know, in, in terms of the legacy that he leaves as an individual player? Absolutely not. Um, and I had a, I had a couple Pittsburgh Penguino fans that, uh, were, were, I don't want to say attacking me, but, uh, provoking me, um, saying that it doesn't matter that Ovechkin beat Cindy there because Cindy has the cups and the rings. Well, I don't care if you can't appreciate when someone scores 600 goals in their career. I mean, for God's sake, he's the 20th person all time to do this. I mean, Barry Bonds is a perfect example with the home runs. He hit uh, whether or not he was juicing. We're we're just going to say whether or not and leave it at that. Uh, We don't know the answer, but whether or not, (laughs) if you can't appreciate watching his home runs and his home run records, you shouldn't be watching the sport. Like whether, I mean, if, if, if Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Cindy there uh, get, gets her, her 600, 700, 800 goals, as a hockey fan, I'm going to appreciate it. Whether or not I like them, that's a whole other story, but I'm still going to appreciate the amount of goals that they have scored because it's a historic amount of goals, period. Right. I mean, um, uh, when, when Ove- I mean, Ovechkin was the first to 1,000 points. Crosby got there. I mean, Crosby has played less games as well. He's, he's spent more time injured and things like that. But I when when – Ovechkin hit it when Crosby hit it. It's an achievement. Like we know how I feel about Sidney Crosby. You know how I feel about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the whole Penguins franchise, quite frankly. But I'm not going to detract from a from a player's achievement. I mean, and and for being the fourth player of all time of all time to hit 600 goals in less than a thousand games. I actually read an interesting article on ESPN today that gives a case and and. Really, if you look at the numbers and the way it breaks down, a solid case that Alex Ovechkin, obviously barring injury, anything like that, if he can stay healthy, that he could 
actually pass Wayne Gretzky's career goal total of, was it, 896. And it would be, if he plays out the terms of this contract, which I think is three more years, and two more years after that, and he averages 32 goals a year, that he would pass Wayne Gretzky. Think about that for a second and tell me that because he has no cups, it doesn't mean anything. You can kiss my ass with that one because it's bullshit. I don't give a shit if you're a Penguins fan, a Flyers fan, a Rangers fan. It doesn't matter. The, what Alex Ovechkin does on the ice from a goal-scoring standpoint, I'm not saying he's the most talented hockey player in the league or in the world. I'm saying today he's the best goal scorer, and I don't think there's an argument against it. Wow, did that strike a nerve there, Jimmy? It did. It did. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's I think it's hard, it's hard and it's tough to say that he's not um, – the best goal scorer, just pure goal scorer. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, you're playing the Capitals, and the first thing that you have to do is how are we going to stop Ovechkin on the power play, period. You know he's going to be right there at the damn dot, and you know he's going to be there, and you know he's going to get the puck, and he still scores, period. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what, do you do, what do you do in that type of situation? So, I mean, it's it's just one of those, it's, it is what it is type of thing, but uh, the man can certainly shoot the puck and uh, certainly knows how to score a goal when he has to, so... Um, huge, huge kudos to him on that. And uh, it, it, it's definitely an honor to have 600 and uh, well done with the, the scoring, of course. And I also love the fact that he's done it uh, and he's done it all with one team and it's been our Capitals. That's been fun to watch. Dave, we're going to wrap this thing up, man. We're going to put a bow on it and, and get out of here. So uh, let people know where they can follow you and then I'm going to close this thing out and we're going to get on our way to March Madness. Perfect. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. I'm at dgerhart 24 on Twitter. And uh, hopefully my uh, NCAA hoops tips there uh, fat in your bank account a little bit. So best of luck to everyone. All right. See you, Dave. We'll talk to you next time, bud. Cheers, man. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Again, Sean unable to join us this week. He has to be working tonight, so that's a bummer. But you can follow him on Twitter at Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore niece and ies i am at big jim sports and the show is at huddle up podcast on both facebook and twitter make sure you're following that make sure you're subscribed to us on apple Podcasts and android devices make sure you're following along with ngsc sports our home network at ngscsports.com all of the social media information is there as well as great articles great shows all across the ngsc sports network and our sponsor qb54 again play qb54.com check it out guys Spring's coming. It's right here. We've already changed the clocks. The official start to spring is this weekend. We're going to be out tailgating, barbecuing, going to the beach, all of that. You're going to need a great game, and that is QB54. Go to playqb54.com. Use promo code PODCAST. Get 20% of each and every order. Also, check out the Undisputed Belt right there in the back. That's because I'm a fantasy football champion. Not Sean. It was me this year. Undisputedbelts.com. That's going to do it, folks, for me. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Enjoy some sports. Let us know. Stay up to date with us on all of our social media. And until next time, go for the win. Go for the win.